All right, we are in the Apostles' Creed. Um, and we're in a series on the Apostles' Creed. But I think if, if any of you are like me, um, you have a lot of voices in your head. Um, in fact, I know most of you, so I know you have a lot of voices in your head. I have a lot of voices in my head, and a lot of those voices don't say nice things, right? They say things like, Eric, your shoes look goofy. They say things like, you know, none of these people like you. They say, there's often there are negative things about me or negative things about you. Or they're fear-based, like the world is coming to end and you need to do something about it. Like, I have a lot of voices. Maybe sometimes they're simple voices of like, ah, your body hurts too much, don't get out of bed. But there's a lot of them. And my head is crowded with voices. And I suspect that your head is also crowded with voices. Um, when I was growing up, I grew up, well, I, I'm still growing up, even though I'm 44, but when I was young, I grew up in the church. I'm, I'm a church brat. Not all of you are. Many of you didn't grow up in church, but I did. And so I grew up, like a lot of these kids around here, with lots of Bible stories from the Old Testament. Some from the New Testament, but for some reason, because the Old Testament is really long, you get to hear a lot of stories. And Joshua, who happened to be the right hand of, of Moses, right hand man of Moses, um, and Moses was the one who led the Israelites out of Egypt, and Israel are the people of God. Um, well, Joshua was Moses' right hand man, and I really liked Joshua as a kid. Like, he was one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I liked reading about him. In fact, you know, I, don't, I had a cartoon Bible. Um, now it's called the Action Bible, and, and it has really cool pictures in it, but it's actually the same Bible that I had that were, it was all just cartoons, but they were like 70s cartoons. So they were kind of goofy. Well, that's true. Mine did have the whole Bible in it. Yeah, well, anyway, I, there are a lot of Joshua stories. Um, thanks for that, son. That's good. Uh, thanks for helping me out there. Uh, and in the beginning, when Joshua, when Moses, Moses helps Israel get out of Egypt, they wander around the desert for a long time. They're promised a land. They finally get to the edge of that. Moses dies, and Joshua's the one who's going to have to go help Israel get into the promised land and take it over the place that God had promised them. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, he says, God says this to Joshua. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God tells Joshua, be strong, be courageous, don't be terrified, and don't be discouraged. Well, let's go back to those little voices in our head. All those voices that I have in my head, they are drummed up out mostly out of fear. And they increase my sense of fear. And they increase my sense of discouragement. Because all of those voices are either geared towards you guys, or my wife, or my kids, or my housemates. They're geared towards myself, or they're geared towards God. And they always seem to create fear. And yet, what God tells Joshua he commands him to be strong. 
be courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. And he says, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Tonight in the Apostles' Creed, we are talking about one line. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. There's not a lot about the Holy Spirit in the Apostles' Creed. It's just a statement. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So tonight, I have to talk about the third person, and I want to talk about the third person of the Trinity. And I'm not going to go over a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, because all of Lent, we talked about the Trinity. And so we talked about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to say one thing. Here at the village, what we believe is that God is one, and that God is three persons. God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. Okay? And tonight we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about the Holy Spirit in the context of all of these voices. So in order to do that, I need to talk to, we need to start in Genesis. And I always start in Genesis. And so those of you who've been here for many years, like 15, you're like, Eric only preaches out of Genesis. But that's fine. Starting in Genesis chapter 2, God creates man. Chapter 2, verse 7. I want you to hear what he says or how this is described, this creation process. Verse 7, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, all through Scripture, the Holy Spirit is talked about as the breath of God and the thing that animates people, animates this world. And so if you could imagine yourself as a little balloon here. I won't pop it, I promise. So, here's man animated in the Garden of Eden. And woman, you're a nice pink balloon. Okay, congratulations. Uh, Now, here's the interesting thing about the nice breath of God, pink balloon, Adam and Eve in the garden, about what's in their head. There's only one voice in their head. Okay, There's one voice in their head. They're walking in the garden. Now God puts Adam and Eve in the garden and He tells them something. He says to them, you're not supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so somewhere in the timeline, they're walking along and the enemy shows up and they have a discussion with the enemy about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They disobey. And then in chapter 3, verse 8, we, be, we pick up the story. They've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So also, if you've been here for a long time, you know that this verse, in my mind, is at the core of who all of us are. It describes our existence. We have this realization that we're naked and we become afraid, we're exposed, we're vulnerable, and we hide. That's how we spend our life. But I want you to hear what God says to them. He says, Who told you you were naked? 
another voice enters in to their head. Okay? And when that happens, a separation begins to happen. What we would call death. But it's not just physical death. Emotional, spiritual death happens. And what death looks like is this fear of exposure, this realization that we're not holy and we're not God. And so what happens is the image of God whom we're created in begins to separate from us. And what happens is, boom, the breath of God is pulled out. Right? It's gone. And so all of a sudden, and you can just see this happen as you read through the Old Testament, all of a sudden, we have more and more and more voices in our head, and they are all springing out of this tree of fear. That all the voices in your head about God and about others and about yourself, the confusion, the chaos, it springs out of fear. And so you spend your life hiding from God, from others, and from yourself. And the Spirit of God is pulled out of you, and you have these voices, and you cannot hear the voice of God. I want to quickly jump through a lot of history and go to John, the Gospel of John, and a scene with Jesus in John chapter 7. So we jump forward in history, and the God of the universe becomes man and begins the process of delivering us, and this is what he says. John chapter 7, I believe, John chapter 7, yes. Verse 37. Scene is that the Feast of Booths is at its last day. Now the Feast of Booths for the Jewish people is that they move out of their homes and they make little structures for themselves and they live in them for a while. And part of what they're doing is reminding themselves that they aren't the provider of their shelter. That it's actually God who does that. And at the end of the feast, there's a part of that feast where water is actually poured out on the ground. And at that moment, I suspect, this is what Jesus says. He stands up and says, On the last and great day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So, Jesus stands up, and what he says to people is, look, all these things that you're doing, that you're trying to fill up the emptiness in you, to trying to subdue the voices that you hear? If you'll come to me, if you'll embrace me, I will actually reduce the voices. I will begin to reanimate you. Now, because I don't have a sink here, let me just give you an example of that. Got a water bottle here, so those of you in the front row are going to be in trouble. We're going to reanimate the balloon. Now, obviously... That is not as big of a balloon as uh, 
I don't trust you. Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm not. I was gonna throw it in the audience, but now I realize I'm just gonna be hit with the water balloons. Now I'm gonna put that right there. But God promises. What's that? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't want to be fired. So let's. The Spirit of God, what He says is is like water, and it reanimates us, and it's not going to go anywhere. Okay. Now, the writer Paul in 1 Corinthians kind of illustrates this a little bit more and kind of explains where you and I are in context of the Holy Spirit if we embrace Jesus, what it looks like to have the living water in us. In first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, actually I'll start in verse 21, um, Paul says this, now, oh, by the way, I got progressive lenses, so I'm still trying to figure out how to do this. I'm 44 now. <laughs> the eye doctor said, welcome to the 40s. So anyway, uh, there we are. <laughs> it's taking me some work here. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So when you embrace God and the Spirit of God is given to you and you are animated with the water of God, the process is that you you are being marked as God's possession and on a journey. And that journey is towards Jesus and a process of reducing and beginning to push away the voices. So when when Jesus comes back, we only have one voice in our head. And the process that you and I are in, the not yet process, is that we are learning in concert with the Spirit of God to hear His voice and not all the other voices and to allow them to be put away where they belong. Okay? So tonight, what we're going to do, and we've done this once this year already, but we're going to do it again, and that is we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so I want to give you some guidelines. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand out some three by five cards. And we're going to actually spend 10 minutes in quiet. And we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you three questions to listen to. And I'll explain that. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, don't freak out. Because sometimes what the Holy Spirit is like, at least what we kind of think about the Holy Spirit, if you're, okay, if you're somebody who's grown up in church, the Holy Spirit still probably is still like that weird uncle, right? Who shows up, or the weird aunt who shows up to the reunions and to Christmas, and they smell a little weird, and they always want to hug you a little bit, right? Because they get the supposedly the Spirit of God gives you those sign gifts where you speak in tongues and heal people, or he's just weird, right? Some of you have that. Others of you are like, I don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. Or some of you are like, yeah, he's a weird uncle and I like him. I mean... But I understand that when we're talking about the Spirit of God being in us and on us, it may seem a little weird to you. So I will kind of explain that. But first, I want to look at John chapter 14 and give you some guidelines to listen to the Holy Spirit tonight. Give you some ways. And then when you're going to spend 10 minutes, and then after service, after the music and while we're eating, I'm going to encourage you to actually ask the people across from you who you're eating with, okay, well, did you hear anything? And what did you hear? 
and we'll talk about it as a community. And I'll explain that a little more. So I'm going to jump into John chapter 14 where Jesus is encouraging his disciples and talking about the Spirit of God. We're starting verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, this is Jesus talking, will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So the, the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now Jesus is not saying that this is like a, I'm like a bubblegum machine that's free. Like you just go turn it and I, you get bubblegum when you want it. That's not what he's talking about. There's some context of this. Verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. And Judas says, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus just launches into the family rules. And basically the family rules are, If you believe in me, and if you obey me, if you obey me, then you're going to be obeying the Father. And if you are doing what I'm doing, and you're part of the family, right? you're doing the family thing, then whatever you ask for, it's going to be in line with the family. And I'll do it for you. Because you're going to be doing the family rules. right? You're going to be living out life out of love. And what's interesting in this text is, as it goes along, what you hear is, is that God, or Jesus says, I'm going to come live with you, but guess who also is going to come live with you? The Father. Okay? So through the Spirit, what you're going to have an experience of is God Himself living with you. Now, when I first got married, we, I, we would try to clean the house together. It was a little apartment, 600 square feet. I figured we could clean 600 square feet in an hour. So we would do it. And I would clean 600 square feet in an hour. And Susan would organize a drawer. And so I would say, what did you do? And she said, oh, look, I organized a drawer. And, and I saw this as a pattern. I would clean the house and she would organize drawers. Right? When families move in together, like when you, husband and wives, come together, right? When families come together, value systems clash, ways of doing things kind of rub up against each other. So I want you, what Jesus is saying is, when you embrace me and obey me and love me, the Father and I will come and hang out with you, only it's not going to be your rules. You're not going to get to clean the house in an hour. We're organizing drawers, 
Like that's how we do it, right? And for some of us who've been walking with Jesus for a while, we're like, ah, it's all good, right? We've got it all together. And yet if we really stop and think, it's a little scary to have the Father and the Son, the Trinity, with us because he's probably kind of thinking or saying to us, well, what's behind that door? Well, I didn't know I had that door there. We should open that door. No, we're not going to open that door. Yes, we are going to open that door. No, we're not going to open that door. Yes, we are. Jesus is saying the only way that you're going to be connected to me is if you step into the way I do things. Okay? The way I intend things to be. But then he kind of explains to us how we can kind of walk along in that. Because the way that we're only going to hear one voice, God's voice, through the Spirit, is if we are able to live out our life obeying Jesus, loving Jesus, and hearing what the Spirit has to say. So, in verse 25, Jesus explains how the Holy Spirit will, works. Okay, Verse 25, All this I have spoken while with you, but the Counselor, you mentioned him earlier, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of the world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Now there's, in this text, there is one thing kind of set out that the Holy Spirit does primary, and then Jesus offers two things that the Holy Spirit actually does, but Jesus is doing in that moment. So the first thing he says is that the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds. Okay? Teaches and reminds. In 2 Timothy, Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul the writer talks about Scripture. And he says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What Paul is saying is that same breath that animated you, that animated Adam, that breath animated the Scriptures. And so when the Spirit that's in you, the living water, meets the Spirit that is in Scripture, there's a connectedness, and that's where the teaching and the reminding happens. So one of the primary ways that you can hear the Holy Spirit is through Scripture. So let me give you an example in the sense that when you read things like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Right? When you read that, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He's saying, trust in the Lord. Okay, I can do that and I can... Trust in the Lord. Do not lean on your own understanding. Okay, so in everything, it's not about me. It's about God. This is how the Spirit works. But here's the problem. Most of us aren't super familiar with the Scripture. Now, I grew up in a family where I was forced to memorize Scripture. Turns out I have short-term memory and long-term memory loss, literally. So I don't remember most of the verses. 
And so this is why, if you always, if you ever wondered why at the village most of the songs are scripture, it's all for me. Because I can't remember. Right? And I need the Spirit to remind me. I need the Spirit of God to remind me. So I must give Him something to remind me with. Right? So it's very important that we have an understanding of Scripture so that we can hear the Spirit of God. So the first way to hear the Spirit of God is through Scripture. God uses His Holy Word to speak to you. Now the two secondary things, the first thing He says there is, I'm going to give you peace. Not like the world gives. A different peace. What kind of peace does the world give? Let's just talk about it because we're all super familiar with it. What kind of peace does the world offer us? Okay, it's temporary, but what's it like? What's its character? What's its distraction? Financial security. Try harder. A, a, a kind of attention that doesn't have any like dramatic like blah blah okay unstable yes false security conditional what is desirable about the peace that the world offers you it's tangible you can hold it in your hand looks good feels good Makes you feel important. Easy. It's good, yes. The peace that the world offers you is about you. You being in control. right? You controlling your ability to feel okay. You figuring out the way to deal with the voices in your head. right? You figuring it out. But what the Holy, what the Holy Spirit does through the voice of God, is to say to you, it's not about you. Let go. Let go. Anytime you hear in your head, let go, it's the Holy Spirit. Let go. Let go of your son. Let go of your daughter. Let go of your wife. Let go of your bank account. Let go of your desire to have an amazing relationship with your husband or wife. Let go of it. Let, oh, hold it with an open hand. Let go. And God will give you peace. What he's saying is the only point in time that you can, you're going to have peace is when you let go. And so one of the main things that the Holy Spirit does is point out in your heart what you need to let go of. But then in the end of part of that section, Jesus says, be courageous. Don't, don't lose heart. The peace that God gives you is that all of a sudden, when you let go, the voices are quiet. You begin to hear the voice of God. And the voice of God, I promise you, often through experience, will give you peace. You will not lose heart. But to not lose heart, you have to let go. Now, the third thing he says is he says, look, I'm telling you all of these things so that when they happen, you'll be like, oh, Jesus told me. And it happened. He gives us a heads up. Okay? One of the things that the Holy Spirit does often is gives you, you know, you ever walk in a room and you're like, oh, uh-oh, something bad's happening here. It's the Holy Spirit giving you a heads up. You ever have a thing where like, I think something's wrong in that, over that person, oh, giving you a heads up. 
Or maybe they're like, oh man, you have that sense of like, I, I need to go comfort that person. So Holy Spirit, giving you a heads up. In community, the Spirit of God will constantly talk to you about everybody else if you'll let go of everything. If you'll let go of your control, He will talk to you about everybody in this community and yourself in order to give you a heads up. So that when you can come to me and say, hey, like, like, I got a text this morning saying, hey, I had a dream about you and you are feeling, and then my dream, it was like, you're bearing the burdens of this church and it's tiring you out. I was like, huh, yeah, that's the way I've been feeling. That must be the way it is for me because somebody, the Holy Spirit spoke through somebody. This is how it works, okay? So tonight, I've got three questions for you. So Julie, you can flip my slide for me, I think. All right. I'm going to hand out three by five cards. So it was there. You had it. You would just take a three by five card and pass it. You guys go. Just pass those out. So just take one, pass those out. Just make sure everybody gets a three by five card. Um, if we need more, I've got more here. I, I have some pencils. If you already have a pen, then just pass the pencils back. If you don't, you'll have to sort through these and figure out what kind of writing utensils you got. So I want to go through these questions while you guys are getting things. Um, and let me just tell you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. But here is probably the primary way the Holy Spirit speaks to you if you're not a follower of Jesus. This is what he said. You know that nagging feeling you have in the back of your head that says, God exists, God exists, God exists, God exists? That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And even though you might be a staunch atheist, though probably if you're here you have some sense that God exists, you have that nagging feeling that, I think God might exist. That's the Holy Spirit. So if you spend the next 10 minutes trying to listen to the Spirit of God, you might only hear, God exists, God exists, God exists, God exists. I'm sorry about that. Um, But he does. Here are the three questions that I want you to think about, and then I'll give you instructions on how to do this. What do you want me slash my community to learn and remember? Number one. Number two, where are you asking me slash my community to let go of control and embrace courage? And number three, I slash we need a heads up in this area of my, our life. And that part, I just want you to kind of offer God that where it is and then hear what he might say or the spirit. Now, here's how this works. Because you have a lot of voices in your head, we do this exercise sometimes. What I want you to do is write every single thing you hear inside your head when you ask the question inside your head. So when you ask... What do you want me slash my community to learn? And remember, start writing it down. If you hear random Bible verses, if you hear little phrases, I know I only gave you a little paper, so you're going to have to write small. You're villagers, you're artistic. You can do it. Um, Just write everything down. okay? Because part of this process and this exercise is actually helping you to hear the voice of God in the midst 
of all the craziness that you hear. Because we're on a journey back towards Jesus as a community to a place where we only hear one voice. And that's the voice of God. So, I'm going to give you ten minutes. I'm going to pray before we do that. And then I will come up and pray after ten minutes and we will move on with our service. So, let's pray. Father in heaven, you are mighty and you are creator of the universe. Jesus, you are our Lord and our Savior. You were conceived of the Holy Spirit and you were born of the Virgin Mary and you were crucified for us. And you died and you were buried and you rose again. And we thank you that you give us hope and that you conquered death and that you were victorious and that you were God. Holy Spirit, as my community and as I listen and try to answer these questions and to hear you speak to us, give us the courage to write everything down. And give us the courage to share. Speak to us. And I ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen.